Welcome to 30 Minutes Towards Victory. Hi, I'm Greg Marcus. I'm the pastor of Imperial Valley Christian Center. This is the TV program, the TV ministry of Imperial Valley Christian Center. We call it 30 Minutes Towards Victory because our purpose with this program is to encourage you. It's to lift you up. It's to move you in the direction of experiencing the victory in life that God wants you to have. God wants you to have victory in every single area of your life. He wants it to go well with you. God is on your side. God is for you. He is not against you. God is on your side. That's what this TV program is all about. That's what Imperial Valley Christian Center is all about. Okay, right now we're starting a new subject and uh, it's a little bit controversial here, so I don't want you to, you know, get upset with me, throw things at the TV, you know, break your TV. So I'm warning you ahead of time. Be cool. <laughs> Be cool. What am I talking about? We're going to talk about God wants you rich. God wants you rich. God wants you rich. You know, the Bible clearly teaches that God wants us rich. God wants us to be abundantly supplied. He wants us to have more than enough to just barely making it. He, he wants us to have, you know, like people will say, well, I run out of money before I run out of month. No, that's not what God wants for your life. He wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to be abundantly supplied. He wants you to be rich. He wants you to be rich. God 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 wants you to be rich. He wants you rich. God wants you rich. That's what the Bible teaches. I know when I first started, uh, when I first became a Christian, and I was first studying the Bible. You know, I was listening to teachers teach the Bible, listening to pastors teach the Bible. And I was studying it out. And I remember for the first time hearing a pastor say that, that God was interested in our material prosperity. He wanted us to be materially prosperous. He wanted us to prosper financially and materially. And I, I was excited about it. I liked it. You know what I mean? I, I thought, wow. God would do that for us. God, God's interested in us. Hallelujah. God is interested. So I, I heard this pastor preaching and teaching about prosperity, that God was interested in our financial life. God was interested in us prospering and being successful and it going well with us. And boy, it excited me. But you know, I'm hearing this pastor preach. And then all of a sudden, a religious demon comes up to me and he whispers in my ear, where? God's not interested in those kind of things. Well, you know, God's not interested in those kind of things. Well, you know, those kind of things, they're not important to God. Well, you know, you just know that those kind of things aren't, aren't important. God's only interested in spiritual holy things. Hallelujah. And so I got scared. You know, I heard him teaching about it, and he'd read from the Bible. And I think, well, I sure wish that was true. I sure wish it was true. But, you know, God's not interested in those kind of things. And so I, I remember one day in particular, you know, I wanted to go. They had a little bookstore at this, this church. 
and uh, where I, you know, where we were going to church, and and I knew they had some prosperity books in there, and so I said to myself, yeah, I'm going to go get me one of those books that teaches about that God wants you to prosper. And so I remember walking into that bookstore, and I felt on the inside of me like I was buying pornography. You know, I mean, literally, I felt like I was buying pornography. You know, I found one of those books, and it's kind of like one of these, and well. Yeah, I'd like to buy one of these. I'd like to buy one of these things here. You know what I mean? One of these books about prosperity. Hallelujah. And that was kind of the dilemma I was in. Here he was reading from the Bible, showing me that God wanted us to prosper and it to go well with us. And yet this religious demon would come up, oh, yeah, God's not interested in those kind of things. God's not interested in those kind of things. Hallelujah. And you know, my wife, my wife, Becky, I think she went to church one time when she was a kid. I went to church just about every Sunday. We went to catechism. We went to St. Mary's. We went to Virgin of Guadalupe. We went to St. Joseph's Church. You know what I mean? We were there at catechism. We were there first communion, all that kind of stuff. I went to church all the time. Now here's Becky. She never went to church. You know, her parents were kind of that idea from the 60s. Well, we don't want to force our beliefs on our children. And so I think she went to church one time when, when she was a kid. When I first met her, when I first met Becky, her parents and her family, they, they danced naked under the pale moonlight. <laughs> No, they didn't, but I like to tease Becky about that. Anyway, she, she'd never been to church. She'd ne- she was a pagan. She was a heathen. Hallelujah. And then she got born again, and she's hearing the same Bible taught that I'm hearing. And when she hears the pastor read uh, that God wants it to go well with you, he hears the Lord is my shepherd. You shall not lack. He's, he reads, uh, God desires above all things that we prosper and be in health. And, and she'd hear that, and she'd say, well, of course. Well, of course. She'd never been to church. She hears the Bible like for the first time, the first time in her life. And her immediate reaction to it is, well, of course God would be for us. We're his children. He's our God. Of course he'd be for Of course he would want us to. Just like any parent would want it to go well with their kid. Just like any parent would want their children. You want your children to grow up and be poor? To have nothing to do without? To barely scrape by? To never have enough? To never be able to afford a decent vacation. To never afford to be able to own their own home. Or buy a car with less than 200,000 miles on it. Is that what you desire for your children? Is that the future you desire for your kids? Well, so Becky heard him reading the same Bible and her reaction is, well, of course God is for us prospering. Well, of course he wants us to prosper and be set. But I'm hearing the same word. I'm hearing the same word. And that religious demon I acquired going to church, although he comes, oh, God's not interested in those. There's no scripture like that in the Bible. There's no scripture like that in the Bible. But this religious demon was using religious tradition to beat me down and to keep me separated from the the blessings that God wants me to have in my life. Hallelujah. So I determined that that point. I said, well, I'm going to study it for myself. 
I'm going to see. I'm going to see for myself. I'm going to go based on what the Bible says. I'm not going to go based on what this pastor says. I like him. I trust him. But I'm not going based on what he says. I'm going to go based. I'm going to investigate it for myself. I'm going to study the Bible and find. I'm going to know for myself. Does God want us to prosper or does he not? Does the Bible teach that God wants us to prosper or does he not? And so I studied like that for about 10 or 12 years. You know, not constant study, you know what I'm saying? But whenever I'd read my Bible, whenever I'd study my Bible, in the back of my mind I had these lists of questions, and one of them was, does God want us to prosper? And so I'd read a scripture that says, oh, God wants you to be rich, and I'd write that one down. And I'd read another scripture that seemed to be saying, well, no, God's not interested in those things. And I'd write that one down. You know, and after studying, going through the Bible, studying it over and over and over again, reading the Bible, thinking, answering these questions that I have in my mind, after about 10 or 12 years of that, I came to the conclusion that it is without question that the Bible teaches. I know your religion may not teach this. I know your tradition may not teach this. I know your pastor may, may, you know, may not teach this. But the Bible teaches absolutely, unequivocally, without question. There is no question about it. It may not fit your theology. I agree with that. I'm sure it probably doesn't fit your theology. It may not fit your religious tradition. It may not fit what your grandma told you the Bible says. But what the Bible actually says, what God's Word actually says, is that God wants us to prosper. He wants us to, from one end of the Bible to the other, God wants us to prosper. God wants us to prosper financially and materially. Let me just show you one scripture before we go on. This isn't where I'm going to start, but just let me give you one scripture because, you know, we haven't read a scripture yet. I've been going for all these minutes. Third epistle of John, verse 2. The third epistle of John, verse 2. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And it says this, Beloved, this is the Apostle John speaking. The Apostle John. You know, when you read the Gospels, if you've ever read the Bible, I know most Americans, they own a Bible, but most of them couldn't tell you where it is right now. Most of them have no, I I know we got a Bible in Mildred. Where is that Bible? Where is that Bible? I know we got a Bible in here someplace. Hallelujah. (laughs) But if you'd read the Bible, you actually bothered to open it up and read, not just go based on what somebody told you, but if you actually read the Bible, what you would discover in reading the Gospels is that the closest people to Jesus were Peter, James, and his brother, James's brother, John. Hallelujah. They were the closest of the 12 apostles. They were the ones when Jesus left the other uh, nine behind, he'd take those three with him. You'd say, the the rest of you wait here, Peter, James, John, you come with me. They were the closest to him. Peter, James, and John. And now here, one of those closest, the author of the Gospel of John, the one who is referred to in the Bible as Jesus' beloved disciple. He's writing us here. He's writing you. He's writing me a letter right here. We call it the third epistle of John. And in verse 2 of that third epistle, third letter of John, the apostle John, that one of the three, three closest, the one the Bible calls the beloved, 
beloved disciple, the author of the Gospel of John, the Apostle John, Saint John, for you religious folks, Saint John. Uh, look what he says here. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things, I'm reading from the King James Bible. I wish above all things that above all things, I wish above all things that thou, 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 I wish above all things that thou. If you were to just stop right there and you were asked to ask 99.99% uh, of Christians to fill in the next part of that verse, the Apostle John, he's writing to us and he's saying to us, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou. Hallelujah. Now fill in the blank, Christian man. The Apostle John is writing to us and he's saying, I, Beloved, I wish above all things that Thou. Now fill in the blank, Christian man. Well, some Christians would say, I wish above all things that thou would witness for the Lord. Other Christians would say, I wish above all things that thou would feed the poor. Other Christians would say, I wish above all things that thou would come to Mass and confession every week. Other Christians would say, I wish above all things that thou wouldest read your Bible. Other Christians, I wish above all things that thou wouldest pray. Other more spiritual Christians, I wish above all things that thou wouldest live a holy life. I wish above all things that thou would. Well, you know, those are all pretty good things. Those are all important things. Those are all things you should be doing. But that's not what the Apostle John, one of the three closest disciples to Jesus, you know, the beloved disciple, that's not what he wishes above all things. He didn't wish above all things that thou would do any of those things. What does he wish above all things? Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosperous. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosperous. I wish, see, see what he's really telling them here is this. He's telling them spiritual things aren't more important to God than material things. He's really telling them this. He said spiritual things are not more important to God than material things. What he's really telling them, what the Apostle John is really saying there is material things, that you prosper, that you be in health, is just as important to God as that your soul prosper. Material things are just as important to God as that your soul. Pro I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosperous. Hallelujah. Does that blow your mind? Does that blow your mind that the apostle John, the beloved disciple, one of the three, he would wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. I bet you never heard that in your church. 
I bet you never heard in your church that the Apostle John desired above all things that you prosper. I bet you never heard in your Sunday school class that the Apostle John desires above all things that you prosper. I bet you never heard in your catechism class that the Apostle John desires above all things that thou mayest prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me add one more thing to that. Listen to me. You know, we believe this is the word of God. We don't believe that's just the apostle John speaking to us, but we believe it is God speaking to us through the apostle John. It is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through the apostle John. That's what most Christians believe. Hallelujah. That this third epistle of John isn't just John's idea, but it's God's idea. This third epistle of John isn't just John's opinion. That's God's opinion. So what you can get from that is this. God desires above all things that you prosper and be in health. God desires above all things that you prosper. I bet you never heard that one before, huh? God desires above all things that you prosper and be in health. God desires above all things that you prosper and be in health. Hallelujah. Well, where in the world did this idea come from among Christians that those things aren't important to God? Where in the world did this idea come from that most Christians have that God's not interested in those kind of things? Where in the world? I guess we just, where in hell? (laughs) Because that's where it came from. That idea came from hell. Satan and his demons trying to separate you from the blessings that God has for you. Listen, let me give you a little history lesson. You saw there plainly. I'm not making it up. You can see it there in the Bible. Pull out your own Bible. I'm reading from the King James Bible. Some of the new modern Bibles translate that differently, but I'm reading from the King James. I didn't write the King James. Hallelujah. I did not... I know some people may think I put that verse in there, but I did not write the King James Bible. I'm just reading it to you. (laughs) Hallelujah. So it says here, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. So here clearly you can see that the Apostle John, his idea of prospering, his idea was that prosperity was a pretty good thing. It was a pretty important thing. Or to put it the other way, you could see that God felt that prosperity was a good thing, that it's a pretty important thing. Can you see that? So where did this idea come from? Where did this idea come from that God's not interested in those things? God's not interested in those things. God's not interested in those things. Those things aren't important to God. Where in the world or where in hell did that idea come from? Hallelujah. Well, I got to give you a little history lesson first. First of all, you need to understand this. You need to understand that the original Christians were all Jews. Jewish people, the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did you know that Jesus was a Jew? The Bible said he was circumcised on the eighth day. Hallelujah. He was, Jesus was circumcised. He was a Jew. Mary, his mom, was a Jew. Joseph, Joseph, Mary and Joseph, Joseph, he was a Jew. Hallelujah. All of Jesus' disciples were Jewish. You know, Matthew, Peter, James, John, 
all those guys, you know, all the guys who wrote the Bible, you know that the apostle Paul was a Jew. In fact, he calls himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the most strict order of Jews. We would call him today an ultra-Orthodox Jew. Hallelujah. The apostle Paul was a Jew. Hallelujah. And you know one thing about about Jewish people? They don't believe that prosperity is a bad thing. One thing about Jewish people is that they don't believe that prosperity is a bad thing. I remember one time reading a book by a rabbi and he said this. He said, the reason that Jews don't believe that material prosperity is a bad thing is because God, the Bible tells us plainly that God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything that exists. And after he had created it, he stopped, he looked at it and he said, it is very Good. You can read that over in Genesis. He looked at the world. God looked at the world that he had created and he didn't say, whoops, where did I make all this gold for? Where did I make those diamonds for? Where did I make that? What did I make those beautiful flowers for? Where did I make those wonderful trees, those beautiful ocean vistas, those fantastic beaches, those islands with the swaying palm trees, those beautiful ocean views? What did I make? Oh my God, I should have made a planet out of mud. What was I thinking? Material things aren't important to me. I should have made a mud planet. No, God didn't say that. He looked at all those beautiful, wonderful things he made. He looked at the gold. He looked at the diamonds. He looked at the beautiful ocean, at the beautiful flowers, the orchids, the tulips, the roses. He looked at them. He said, man, I made some good stuff here. I made so, and he gave it all to Adam and Eve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so this rabbi said that as a result, since God said the material world was good, the Jewish people believed that the material world was good. Well, that means that it was okay to partake of the material world. The material things were good. They weren't evil. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus was a Jew. Mary was a Jew. Joseph was a Jew. Matthew was a Jew. John was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. Hallelujah. The apostle Paul was a Jew. All the apostles were Jews. All the people, or at least maybe one of them wasn't, but most of the people who wrote the Bible were Jews. Hallelujah. And yet Jews believe that prosperity is a good thing. Jews believe that the material world is a good thing. How did this idea get into Christianity that God thinks those things aren't important? I'm going to tell you in a second if you'll pay attention. You need to understand that Christianity started at a mount among the Jews, among the Jewish people, the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And part of their covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was prosperity. So they expected to prosper. Hallelujah. That idea was part of Judaism. That's why the apostle John can so boldly say, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health. But Christianity began to spread into the Greek-speaking world into the into the Greek and Roman parts of the world that were influenced by Greek philosophy. Hallelujah. And as a result, the church began to grow and pretty soon there weren't that many Jewish Christians around. Most of the Christians were Greeks and most of the leaders of the church, they had started out as being Jews. The Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, they were Jewish people, but pretty soon they died off and now all the leaders of the church are Greek. Hallelujah. And the leaders of the church, they, they, the people looking for leaders of the church, the people who ended up being leaders of the church were, you know, usually 
pretty well educated people, intellectual people, you know, people who, who had some、uh, study behind them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All Greeks. Hallelujah. And you need to understand this that as a result of that, Greek philosophy began to exercise a tremendous influence over Christianity. Greek philosophical, philosophical thought, you know, Plato, Aristotle, all those guys, it began to exercise a tremendous influence over Christianity. Many, 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 many of the church fathers, of the original Christians, original bishops, From so and so, and bishop from Alexandria, and bishop from Rome, and whatever. They were Greek philosophers. They studied Plato. They studied Aristotle. They thought Plato was telling the truth. They believed in the truth that Plato taught. Hallelujah. Can you see that? They were Greek philosophers. They had studied Greek philosophy. They believed now they'd become Christians. Yes, they believed the Bible was true. They believed the Bible was revelation, but they also believed the Greek philosophy. Told the truth. Hallelujah. You, you could kind of think about it this way. It's kind of like, you know, imagine you went to a, a, a college today、uh, and, and you looked up some university professor and,、uh, and, 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 and you started uh, uh, asking him questions about the origin of mankind. You know, where did men come from? Where did life come from? Things like that. Well, most of the college professors in the country, I don't care if they're at a Christian college or not, the vast majority of them would believe that. Life evolved, you know, from nothing, I guess. <laughs> you know, that life just sort of appeared and grew up into these things, and we're, you know, the second cousin twice removed of a monkey someplace. Can you see that? Now, I say all that to say this. Can you see how the, the culture, the intellectual culture, even if these professors are Christians, they would still believe in evolution? You can find that. You can find that easily. Christians. Professors, leaders who believe that Darwin was right. Hallelujah, that man evolved from nothing. And they say that's the will of God. And they try and, and, they try and, and fit Darwin's theory into what the Bible says. Well, they say, well, yeah, God could have evolved, man. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to talk about evolution or Darwinism right now. That's not my point. All I want you to see is how the intellectual culture that one is raised in influences the way one sees the Bible. And so these people who were raised in this Greek philosophical influence, they began reading the Bible through Greek philosophical eyes. Instead of reading it through Jewish eyes, like Jesus read the Bible, instead of reading it through Jewish eyes, like the Apostle Paul wrote the Bible, instead of reading it through Jewish eyes, like the Apostle Peter read the Bible, they began reading it through Greek eyes, through Greek eyes heavily influenced by Greek philosophy. And as a result, to this very day, Greek philosophy is extremely influential in Christianity. It is Responsible for the development of a lot of Christian doctrine. You know, the, the current Pope, I believe, was、uh, Pope Benedict, was a professor of philosophy at one time. Pope John Paul II. I mean, I like these guys. I think they're good people. I think they're of God. I think they're doing God's work. But they were professors of philosophy, and naturally enough, they think philosophy is important. And that's what happened in those days. Hallelujah. And so they began to read the Bible through these Greek philosophical eyes. They began to interpret what Jesus said through Greek philosophical eyes. And as a result, what? This, this Greek philosophical influence entered the church. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And they began, this Greek philosophical influence entered into the church and it began to affect the way people read the Bible, the way people heard the Bible, the way people interpreted the Bible. Can you see what I'm saying? See, Greek philosophy had come to influence thinking about Christianity. It had come to interpret Christianity. It became the basis for Christian theology, Christian thought about the words of Jesus. Can you see that? And one of the basic ideas of Greek philosophy is that the material world is evil. One of the basic ideas of Greek philosophy is that the material world is evil. One of the basic ideas of Greek philosophy is that the material world is evil. One of the basic ideas of Greek philosophy is that the material world is evil. That influence of Greek philosophy continued in the church to this day. So that Christians still hear that same old demon whispering to them saying, God's not interested in those things. God's not interested in those things. Those things aren't important to God. Those things aren't important to God. Even though the apostle John, even though the Holy Spirit speaking through the apostle John says, beloved, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul is prospering. Beloved, I desire above all things. I'm speaking for Greg now. Beloved, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul is prospering. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, but I'm not finished. Come back next week. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Wait, wait, wait. Before you go, listen. If you're not going to church anywhere, come on out to Imperial Valley Christian Center. Sunday mornings at 9.30, we have our English service. At 11 o'clock, we have our Spanish service. Come on out, have a coffee, a donut on us, enjoy yourself. I guarantee, the very bottom thing I, I guarantee is you'll have fun. You'll have a good time. Come on out and see us Sunday mornings, 9.30 in English, 11 o'clock in Spanish, Southwest High School. I hope to see you there. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.